Hello, ghosties. Welcome back to Ghost Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Willow. And I'm your host, Alyssa. And today we have a special guest. It is Becca of the Mystics Lounge. And we are talking Yay. all about druidry. Yes. And just a reminder that everyone has different views on things and that's okay. We don't ask you to believe what we do. We just want to share what we found in our personal path with others. And with that said, Becca, welcome. Welcome to Josie as our first (laughs) guest. Please feel free to introduce yourself to our audience. Who are you, what you do, and where they can find you? Yeah. Hey, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. My name is Becca, and I'm a clairvoyant, medium, and intuitive. I have had abilities throughout my entire life. I actually grew up in a religious household and then found out that I have an ancestral practice through Druidry and Norse paganism. And I'm the owner of the Mystics Lounge where I provide readings and services for spiritual guidance through spirits assistance. And I love doing spirit team readings. This is where I bring in your entire spirit team and we meet them and give a reading based off of that as well as past life readings, mediumship and tarot readings. Awesome. And I I do have to vouch for Becca. She is someone who I do recommend a lot when people ask me about spirit team sessions because I don't offer them as often as I used to anymore. And because of that, I recommend Becca for full t- spirit team sessions and Alyssa for animal guide sessions because both of them do the sessions similar how, uh, oh my God, similar to how I do them. Um, so I highly recommend both of them for those. Hey, um, and guess what? Guess what for our beautiful listeners? Um, we're filming this in Mercury retrograde. So yes. if you've been <laughs> suffering, we've been suffering too. We so, have, mm-hmm. Oh, it's been so bad. It's been a hard, it's been we were just so bad. Dude. Yeah. We've been just bitching about it and it's, it's just been awful, but Hey, listen, we're doing the best we can. And we're, we're just, we're, we're doing the best we can. We're just doing the best we can. Okay. <laughs> like to recommend Becca as well I like to recommend Becca to my clients for spirit team sessions and yes. actually um and also mediumship as well yes I was Alyssa just about to say I, medium yeah ship, Alyssa yeah. and I do missing person cases but we don't offer mediumship sessions individually yet and because of that we recommend Mm -hmm. Becca because she has, she is also very good about ethics. um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important in mediumship sessions. And so if you're looking for a mediumship session, highly Did I just hear a cat? Yes. We're um... keeping this. We're keeping that in. I want (laughs) this. I want the kitty cat. Because here's the thing. Kitty cat is a good omen. I think that is the, the, they don't give a fuck and we're in that kind of energy. So this is where <laughs> yeah, we're going. If you, if you hear random sounds or us stumbling over our words, just please let like, just know, Oh my God, I can't even talk. I can't even explain Mercury retrograde. <laughs> Mercury is just like, I'm just going to sprinkle chaos on here. Oh, it's um, beautiful. So yeah, just forgive like our, our stumbling. The astro- astrological world. Hey, but I have a question. I have a question for Becca. What is Druidry and what does it look like in practice? Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Um, So Druidry is a Celtic animistic practice, which means that we believe that all things have a soul and meaning in life. So this is animals, bugs, plants, anything in your environment. It predates Christianity 
And it's the belief that everyone and everything here is one and what affects one affects others. So in this practice, it uses elements of spirit communication, plant medicine and reverence of nature, um, deity worship and fair folk, uh, working with the fae, rituals, ancestor work, and the awen. And the awen is a term that refers to intuition, divine guidance, and clairabilities. It heavily relies on memory recall and the passing of knowledge through stories and teachings. So not much is written on old practices due to this, but there's a lot of really good revivalist information out there as well. That's really cool. And is that, is because I know that there's, it sounds like there's a lot of overlap with that and Norse paganism. Is it similar to the practice of animism with Norse paganism? Yes. So they are very similar. And this is because the Celtic people and the Norse people had a lot of communication over time. So over time, their practices kind of blended together a little bit as time progressed and uh, went Mm. on. So the main difference, I would say, is Norse paganism more focuses on the magical aspect in addition to all of the other wonderful aspects about Norse paganism. However, Druidry is more centered on nature and you within the community and ancestor work. So they are very similar Mm -hmm. in their animistic practices, but there's a subtle difference that differentiates them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was like, Oh, that sounds like animism, but I love that there's, there's those differences to kind of tell them apart. And it makes sense that they would kind of blend together over time. Weren't they kind of celebrated in the same areas as well? Yeah. Yeah. So for Norse paganism, it's the North Germanic people and Scandinavia. And then for Druidry, it is Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. But over time, since they kind of bled together, they're both practiced in both areas, which I think is really interesting because Hmm. if you go to um, those Northern Germanic areas, you will see forms of Druidry. If you go to the Celtic areas, you will see forms of Norse paganism. It's so interesting you say that because when I traveled to Iceland, there was mixes of both there was Mm -hmm. a lot of norse paganism and a lot of celtic paganism i found and a a huge huge presence of people who um interact with the fae folk like fairies are huge that's a lot more popular like i i've just been going through a, a witchcraft book around the practice of like traditional witchcraft in cornwall and a lot of their practice is working with fae folk. And I, mm-hmm. I, maybe this should be an episode in itself, but like, I really do feel that working with the fae, which is something that I've done for a very long time, but it's not something I really talk about because people make a really big deal about it. Mm-hmm. But I find that interesting because a lot of practices in European countries have that just integrated into their practice, whereas mm-hmm. in North America and stuff, you don't find it as much. And I find that so right. fascinating. Right. And in within Druidry itself, the Fae is actually an important part of the practice. So that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times um, in European cultures, they're assistants, like they're assistants mm-hmm. to your craft. And of course, they're going to be ones that are a little bit more troublesome and things. But I do find it so fascinating that there's so much more willingness to work with them and and ex- like bring mm-hmm. them into your craft than there is here in America, it actually kind of makes me sad because I really do think that we're kind of missing out on a lot of really cool things when it comes to uh, working with the Fae. I mean, I personally don't work with the Fae at all and never have, but I do have a brownie in my house. Yeah, (laughs) I just found that out recently. I have a little brownie house spirit in my house and he just hangs out here at nighttime. 
And <laughs> that's adorable. He gave me some shit. He's like, you need to be quiet at night. And I was like, oh, fair. <laughs> you need to be quiet. So fair. He's just like, I need to do my fucking chores. Shut the hell up. And I was like, Aww. excellent. I, I can respect our boundaries. I'm here for it. So yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with the, the overall statement of, of Faye probably needing to be a whole separate topic, to be honest with you. Because yes. And, and I even would, though I, I don't love to do that. Yeah. And even though I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, I do believe that there's a lot of interesting things around like the history of the Fae and, and yes. how it's yes. changed over well, time. Because there's so many different kinds. Yeah, like, there's exactly. so yeah. many. And I feel like people just kind of lump them all into to one thing mm -hmm. because the word fae implies it's it's the umbrella term right mm -hmm. and then you have so many different kind of fae beings within that umbrella and so i i really would love to get into that topic in a different episode but going back to druidry is there because i know that each practice comes with its own kind of i guess rules in a way um, or guidelines but what would you say are some guidelines or ethics that druidry has that you feel like kind of go unsaid or unnoticed or untalked about? Yeah, absolutely. There are pillars of ethics and druidry, and they're very important to the craft because you have to fully understand them in order to be able to partake in druidry. So I would say the first one is, and probably the most important one, is to be in service of others. And this doesn't mean that you're subservient, but you have to be aware that you have a responsibility to your choices and how you use the craft. And I think that's pretty across the board mm -hmm. with many practices. Mm -hmm. yeah. But this isn't in an oppressive way. It's just knowing your own sovereignty due to understanding yourself and the power that you hold within yourself. And then understanding that others have their own sovereignty and you are not to impede on the will of others. So mm, I would say that's mm -hmm. probably the first one, the most important one. Um, something that Druidry does not support that this is much different than other practices is it doesn't support revenge or retaliation. So they have the belief that we are all one. So to harm another is to harm yourself. It's not mm. that they don't have the capability to do so, but it's a lesson in self-control and respect for others. And this is a little partially why my practice is a mix of North Norse paganism and Druidry, because I believe there is a time and place, but within, if we're yeah. just speaking Druidry, that is not acceptable. So Interesting. That's another one. I um, had no idea. That is my, so my fascinating. My baneful ass was just sitting here like, is it okay <laughs> to like hex a bitch or not? And oh, that no. answers my question. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because, and, and you do that, that's so interesting. I always find it really, really interesting to see what practices support it and what don't, mm -hmm. because honestly, when, when they bring up things like, you know, if the belief ha is that we're all one, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then there's also other practices that, you know, just totally forego that. So I always find right. it so fascinating how much they differ. And yeah, I, I mean, personally on a personal level, like I am all for baneful working when it's in like when it's needed or when it's necessary, like Dang. I'm not going to use the energy to do that. Cause it does take a lot of energy, um, on something that's petty and frivolous, but I do think that there is a time and place for it. And I think that was, that was one thing that appealed to me about Norse paganism in that sense. Mm -hmm. And not to get too deep into that, but yes, I, I totally agree with you. But I find that so interesting because I had no idea that Druidry was um, different about that. Like that. Another one is emotional responsibility, um, which ties into the idea of retaliation not being acceptable. 
because there's the belief that your wounds are yours to heal and not to project onto others. And if you feel the need for retaliation, there may be something within you, they can still be doing something wrong, but it's how you control yourself. So it's Mm. to learn how to explore your wounds and how they present in your life and then actively work to combat that and heal them. And then I would say the last one is environmental respect, um, knowing that we are visitors here and the earth was here long before us. So you are not to harm the earth and you are to show it respect. And it does make sense because I do hear from a lot of people who I, I guess you would call them like revivalists of Druidry who talk about like how Druidry is really earth-based. Like it's a very it is, earth-based yeah. practice. Whereas I feel like Norse paganism in contrast, and the only reason why I keep bringing up Norse paganism is that they do kind of have a lot of similarities. But I find that it's interesting that Druidry is like more earth-based, whereas like Norse paganism is more community-based. Right. And it yeah. does it does worship the earth in a way, but it's more so like the people and the communities. But with that said, um, let's go ahead and take a quick ad break and we will be right back. Have you been experiencing unexplained activity in your home, business, or area? Alyssa and I would love to help. Since childhood, we've been able to interact with the spirit realm. And naturally, we have a passion for investigating the paranormal. Our goal is to help you understand what's happening in your space, provide guidance and advice, and to bring peace to your situation. You can book Ariel and I for a paranormal consultation through our website, www.ghostteapodcast.com. We have a special discount for our listeners. Use code GHOSTY for 10% off of your booking. That's code GHOSTY, G-H-O-S-T-I-E, all in capital letters. And now we're back from the ad. How did you like that? I bet you loved it. Okay, so now... (laughs) So now, what I want to know, Becca dear, is I want to know... What is it about Druidry that drew you towards it? And how did you decide that it was a path for you? What initially drew me towards it was learning that it was actually an ancestral practice for me, something that ran in my family. So of course, when you learn that information, you want to learn more. You want to know what your ancestors did. So that's what drew me to it initially. But what showed me that it was the path for me was that I have I guess subconsciously or unconsciously always been drawn to aspects within Druidry before understanding that it was something that was meant for my path, um, ancestrally speaking. Mm -hmm. And the basics and ethics of Druidry are ones that I very much get behind and I hold for myself and I hold highly in the world around me. And it was something about when I first started practicing something clicked within me and you know that like just knowing of like this is right for me yeah yeah. oh my god that's kind of what it was it was just like that that's the best feeling yeah yeah Yeah. it's that gut feeling and you're just like this is it (laughs) right right yeah and and of course I've mixed other practices in with druidry but that has always been kind of my it's always been my foundation and it's been one that has allowed me to grow upwards and something that I very much respect and still am actively practicing Yeah. And I think what's interesting about like finding your practice that kind of clicks for you too, because I know people are going to have a question about this of like, oh, well, how do I know that something has clicked for me? And it is very much like a, you just get a feeling and it's kind of like when you, when you pick up a deck that you just know is for you, or you pick up a a book that you feel like is just going to be really impactful for you. Or when you meet someone, like you just feel like there's going to be something significant about that person. It feels very similar to that, but there's also this sense of confusion sometimes when people have that, but then they don't feel 
connected to something. And I think that that can also be a key for us without the door. So sometimes we get the key with the door, right? You have a practice that just feels right to you. And then you just immediately walk into that door and you're like, yeah, this is for me. And then there's other people who will get the key and they'll be like, oh, this is it. But then they'll start getting into the practice and be like, wait, this just doesn't feel like it. Like it doesn't feel quite like it. Like maybe they get into druidry or something like that. And then they find out that they're actually being drawn to Norse paganism because there was elements of druidry that didn't feel right or vice versa. And I find that that's so, it's so important to recognize that your inklings can lead you where you need to go, but they're not always going to lead you where you need to go the first try. So like if you, if you are listening and you are feeling like an inkling towards a a path, whether it's Drury or something else, and you're feeling like, Ooh, this is it. And then it doesn't feel like it later on. That's okay too. Cause there might be something you need to adjust within your practice or something that you need to explore beyond it. So I just don't want people to feel like they have to get stuck in like a box because that's that can be really detrimental too, is like not allowing yourself to to reach outside of the practice a little bit and and see what you can incorporate to make it your own too. One of the ways that I feel like uh, when we say that it clicks and and you two may agree with me or not on this, but for me, it might help for someone else to know what that feeling is. Mm-hmm. For me, the feeling of it clicking is the feeling of safety. Yes. yes. It's, yeah. it's a feeling that you're finally safe and safety comes when you are with or surrounded by either people or energies that make you feel safe. And safety isn't something that I found in every aspect of my practice, but I did in Elnismos. And Becca, I I would probably go so far as to say that you found that in Druidry. And for Arl, it was Norse paganism. So when you have that feeling of safety, at least for me, that's how I knew that this is the one for me. But that may, but your key and what that door unlocks, it might be different for you. Who knows? Yeah. But for me, when and I, I walked in that fucking door and I felt safe. I'm like, this is this is it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I do feel like can confidence can also be confused with safety. Like mm-hmm. there's you can feel safe in a practice without feeling confident about practicing it. Mm-hmm. So you might get into mm-hmm. a practice and be like, oh, I feel safe here, but I don't feel confident getting into it yet. And that's okay too. Like there's going to be times where, and we find this a lot with people getting into demonolatry as well of like, they want to practice it and they feel called towards it and they feel safe with it. But then getting into the practice of actually working with the infernals is like really intimidating. Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard for them to build up their confidence with that. So yeah, don't, don't confuse confidence with safety because they are two different things, but they can feel similar. And I'm but- curious for Becca, for my practice, you know, for Elenismos, you don't need to be initiated to start practicing it. But does Druidry have a type of initiation process in order to call yourself a Druid or to be able to perform services as a Druid? So yes and no. No, because Druidry is not a closed practice, but there are positions within Druidry that require you to go to a school So these are, there's two positions within a Druid community, and one is a bard who is basically the memory keeper. They're the storytellers. They're the ones who pass on the information. And then there's an Ovate. An Ovate is a seer, diviner, somebody who works with time, 
a healer, things like that. And those do require that you go to a school to be able to officially call yourself an ovate or a bard. So for example, I do a lot of what an ovate does, but I could never call myself an ovate without going to a formally trained, a school where I am formally trained. And mm. these schools tend to be in Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. So anyone that feels called to practice druidry, they definitely can, and they should look into it, but there is also a need to understand and respect Celtic history with it as well. So Celtic history and the Celtic people were widely oppressed when Anglo-Saxons kind of came into power and they were pushed into the far regions of the area and no longer allowed to practice. So understanding this history and culture and like what it took for the practice to continue on is essential for having respect for the practice practice itself. And I would recommend that for any open cultural practice. Um, I think the history is very important in it, but there's not a need to be initiated. But if you were to assume those roles in a community and officially call yourself a bard or an ovate, you would have to go to school. It's not to say that you can't do those things, but you would not be able to call yourself that. Interesting. Okay. Mm. I have another question. Mm -hmm. Uh, So being initiated into Druidry requires that you take training that is from Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Is that correct? That's what you said? So no, if it, if you were going to be a bard or an ovate in a Druid community and have those official titles, you oh. would have to go to these schools and they tend to only be located in those three countries. But in order to be a Druid, that is something that you can learn from other Druids on your own, on your own path. Um, so no, you don't have to be initiated into Druidry, just those oh. positions. Okay. okay, that does clear it up. My my question then, now that that makes more sense to me, is if you wanted to take courses, is that, are those ones, and you might not know this, I don't know, but can you take them if you don't live in those areas? Like, are they available online or do you have to be physically there to take the classes? You know, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I would assume with today's technology that you could probably take some kind of online course like you could with colleges yeah Um, I would assume that they would make it make it more accessible me too but you just you you just never know with some of our ancient practices like if they sometimes they don't evolve there yeah I don't know you know it's it's you really it just depends it it might be more accessible to people who live there perhaps or, or I don't know but I'm wondering too like maybe this is something that we can include in the descriptor if we can find it, but if there's like a central location that people can look into to yeah. see they can find those schools would be, right. would be helpful for yeah, folks. It would be really interesting. It'd definitely be something that you would have to check the credentials of the school, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, that would yeah. Be, I would totally be fascinated and interested in doing that. Um, I've just actually never thought to be like, are they offering online courses? Cause I was like, well, I, don't live in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not many people have the ability to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to the UK and become an a, an initiated druidry higher position. <laughs> that is something. That's you where I want to go to college, mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I, mean, I got twenty dollars in my Christmas card. That's going towards yeah. Ovid school or Ovid school, <laughs> whatever the hell. <laughs> Could you imagine how cute would that be? Oh, 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 yeah, you're such a good little druid. Uh, I love that so much. Um, My question for you, Becca, is one that I, I, I just, I need to know. I just, I have to know because my, my brain is itchy because I need to know. What is the difference between Celtic paganism and druidry? Ooh, good question. Okay, so 
Celtic paganism is the umbrella term. Mm. The Druidry is a specific part of that umbrella. So basically all Druids are pagans, but not all Celtic pagans are Druids. Gotcha. Interesting. Is that because they originate from the same area or is it more nuanced than that? Partially because they originate from the same area, but there's multiple, just like in any kind of region, there are multiple forms of, um, practicing that form of paganism that cultural paganism so druidry is just one of those practices um so there are like other ones and you could just say like i'm celtic pagan um and not specifically be druid but do things within druidry but not really like stick to that if that makes sense but Mm -hmm. druidry is like a very specific thing um underneath the umbrella of celtic paganism so partially yes because they are in the same area um and they derived from the same means, but over time, just like if, I mean, if you do look at Christianity, you have branches of the same religion. It's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you can be like a Christian and Catholic or like Christian and Protestant and stuff like that. Right. Mm. It kind of reminds me of like all Wiccans are pagans, but not all pagans are Wiccans yeah. and all, not yeah. all Wiccans are witches and not all witches are Wiccans. And like that yes. kind of like it, it, it can sometimes it can get a little confusing, but that does, that does clear it up because I, I didn't even think of it as if it was a, a sub branch, but it makes sense yeah, that it would yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense, especially with it being kind of in the same area and with it sharing a lot of things right, within yeah. Celtic paganism. Cause it's more like a specific, I guess. Mm. Interesting. That's fascinating. <laughs> okay. Prepare yourself. We've got an ad. Yay. Hi, my name is Becca and I'm the owner of The Mystics Lounge. I'm a medium, clairvoyant, and intuitive with over a decade of experience. My goal is to help you better connect with yourself, spirit, and the world around you through spirit team sessions, mediumship, past life sessions, and tarot readings. You can find me and book at themysticslounge.com or find me on TikTok at The Mystics Lounge and that is mystics with an S. I'm excited to meet you and help you find new avenues of communication with spirit. All right, so now that we have had that beautiful, scrumptious ad break, <laughs> what are some common assumptions about Druidry that you feel like could be clarified or corrected or that people might have assumptions about that are just incorrect? Yeah, yeah, good question. So I would say there's probably, I would say two common assumptions about Druidry. So one is that Druidry is just a herbal practice and just kind of like the worshiping of the land and it's not much more than that herbal practice and having a close relationship with your environment is so so important to druidry but it is so much more than that um so you do have people who are seers and diviners um you know we talked about bards and ovates there is a magical quality to it and there are realms within Druidry. Um, you have the world tree, the hedge, and the other world, and you have fair folk, and you have worship, and you have all of these aspects. But I think over time, where it's been seen in either media or pop culture, it just kind of appears to be like mixing herbs in your kitchen and yeah, dancing yeah. under the moon, which, yes, part of it, great. But it is so much more than that. And there's so many minute details that go into being a druid. Um, so I'd say that's the main common assumption. And then the other one is that there is only one way to be druid and that it is a, a very specific and rigid practice, which is not true. Just like in any other practice, your practice won't look the same as the next practitioner's. In every practice, there are 
these pillars and these guidelines that you follow. But within that, you make it your own. So for me, my specific brand, I guess, of Druidry is Hedge Druidry. And in this space, I very much work in the realm called the Hedge. In this realm, uh, humans will go to meet with the divine, with spirits, with cryptids and fey folk. And that is a safe kind of meeting place. And it is kind of, it is what a lot of people would commonly refer to as the veil. And that is where I kind of fit into in Druidry is hedge Druidry specifically and communing with spirits and seeing how I can help them. And so there is my practice of hedge Druidry is not going to be the same as somebody else who focuses on a different specific type of Druidry. So just because you are a Druid doesn't mean that you can't incorporate other things into your practice and you don't have to stick to just Druidry. You can just like I'm Norse pagan and Druid. Yeah. And does Druidry play a lot into your um, death witchery as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with the different realms, the world tree is something. So basically the world tree represents the earth and it's rooted deep into the earth and it is the energy that sustains the planet. And with this, for me to be able to connect with spirits it is an amount of tapping into this energy and understanding how I am a part of the world tree and how the world tree is a part of me and a part of the spirit that I'm connecting to. And then having reverence for that and how they live their life here. And then kind of guiding them through the process of like, you are safe in the hedge. If you are not ready to like go yet, you can be here. This is a safe place. But Mm -hmm. if you are ready to go, let me show you to the other world. And then that's where you kind of like guide them through. So Druidry definitely does come into play because it is very much um, a practice of mediumship within Hedge Druidry. Interesting. And does it, and you mentioned that working with herbs and stuff like that is part of Druidry. Is that something that you feel like is really helpful? I guess this kind of goes into our, our next question, which was like what kind of advice you would have for someone who's wanting to explore or get started with Druidry. And I'm wondering if um, Gween, Gween Witchcraft, <laughs> I'm wondering if Green Witchcraft would be part of that. I'm just laughing at Arl for Gween Witchcraft. <laughs> Gween Witchcraft, uh, do you have to, do you have to know that before you get started? It's like the Princess Bride. <laughs> trying so hard not to laugh. I was over here like stuffing my hand in my mouth. You can laugh. If I'm laughing, you can laugh too. Queen witchcraft. I was like so determined, but then it just like came out so wrong and I was just like, okay. Okay. That was the best. Mercury again. All right, back back to back to you. So yeah, green witchcraft will be important to learning Druidry. So my advice for beginners, I have a few different points. One and first and foremost is get familiar with your environment. So Druidry is highly reliant on locality. So that means learning your local plants and how to use them. So building a connection with the nature spirits around you was also going to be very important for your specific locality. Like I said, we are visitors here. We were not the first ones here is you need to learn about the ancestors of the land that you occupy and then honor them. They're very important to 
the way that your environment is and you being in that space. And so you can't forget about the people who came before you. So that's my number one, get familiar with your environment, uh, flora, fauna, spirits. The second is to learn about the seven gifts of Druidry and how to apply them to your life. This is kind of where part of this is, um, is herbal practice. So the first gift is philosophy, which emphasizes the sacredness of all life around you and our part in creation. The second puts us back in touch with nature to allow us to feel one with the earth, our ancestors, our bodies, and our spirit. The third brings healing in both emotional well-being, but physical well-being and longevity. And this is where green witchcraft comes into play. Because while modern medicine should not be ignored and should be used 100%, we are not science deniers here. That's right, we aren't. There we go. (laughs) Take your fucking Um, meds. Take your medication, please. Medication is so important. Please take meds. Stay stay within the realm of reality while also exploring the realm of spirituality. Right. And so basically how like holistic kind of things come into place, uh, come into play with your physical well-being and longevity is understanding how you can use the plants in your area and how you can use that to benefit your life. Um, Such as, for example, like, in my area, goldenrod is abundant and goldenrod can be used as an anti-inflammatory and a topical um, pain reliever. And um, rosemary, for example, is helpful for blood flow to your brain. It can help with memory. It can help with anxiety and um, migraine relief as well. So it's incorporating those things, um, not only what's in your environment, but what's available to you. So that's into the physical well-being and longevity. The fourth gift affirms life as a journey with the rites of passage. So these are just monumental places in your life where you have recognition for yourself as you being on a journey and that this is a point for you to recognize yourself. The fifth gift of Druidry. The fifth gift opens us up to other realities to explore other states of consciousness and the other world and the hedge. The sixth develops our potential to foster self-development, creative expression, psychic and intuitive abilities, and spiritual growth. And then the seventh is the gift of magic, which teaches the magic of being alive and how our mindset can manifest into our own personal journey. So I think understanding and learning these gifts of Druidry is going to be really important for you moving forward so that you can recognize them and honor them in your life. And then my last piece of advice is to have patience with yourself and give yourself grace. You're not going to learn everything all at once. You're not going to do it perfectly the first time, the second time, maybe not even the third time. But what's important is that you have patience with yourself and allow yourself the space to continue to grow and learn more and not allow it to stunt your will to move forward and want to learn something that is interesting to you. So just be patient. Yeah. And I think that applies to all practices too, but especially to ones where um, like with Druidry, there isn't a lot of information out there. Right. This is, and that can be really frustrating for someone wanting to be interested in it because I, I do know a lot of people who either have heritage in places where Druidry was practiced or they just have an interest in it in general without having heritage there and they just don't know how to get started because there's really not that much information about it online or um, in many books. And I think it's, this is one reason why I was so excited to do this episode, because I know that there are a lot of people who are really interested in it, but just don't know where to start at all. Because it's just like, there's just really nothing out there. Like, and it makes sense with it being a practice that like you 
explained is kind of passed on. So it's, it's hard to get that information unless it's shared in this way where it's kind of more open to the public and like shared in a way where people can utilize that information to take forward and try it themselves. But it just, it, it's sad how much has kind of gotten lost in time because right. it hasn't been able to be passed on in a way where either it wasn't compensated by another belief system or was just not, they didn't have anybody to pass it on to. Is it true that it's actually hard to find information on? Is that actually legit? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. Really? So hard. It's yeah. so hard to find real? information. Yeah. A good author resource, but yeah, straight up. It's because like the what? old ways. Oh. The old ways are their verbal tradition. So yeah. within yes. families and within oh. communities. Okay. And so okay. what you, the information that we have now that you can like have access to, it is mostly revivalist. So yes. there are mentions of like what ancestors and people in the olden times did, but it's not true to form of what the essence of it was because that is yeah. something that was verbal. It's more of like the idea of what people assume or I, what I, they I don't know why I found together. That's so hard to believe for a minute there because to me, Druidry just doesn't seem like that mystical or secret. Oh, it no. seems like it's like, well known. For years, for years, I've tried to find information on it and it's just nowhere. Like nobody what? talks it's, about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also hard to find books that aren't Wicca playing Druidry. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And yeah. Druidry is a really old practice and there's a lot to learn. You're not going to get it in a couple months or a couple years. It's a it's a process. I think there's a lot of value in seeing how other people have shaped Druidry in their own practice and been able to utilize it in a new way. But I think there's also an importance and uh, a lot of benefit in knowing like the classic ways that it's practiced and the classic ways that Absolutely. it's coming through for people. But another question that I have, which if you don't have an answer, that's okay. But I'm actually curious to know whether or not within Druidry, um, reincarnation is something that they believe. Mm -hmm. So yes, past lives are definitely a thing within Druidry. The relationship that Druids form with the earth and with nature allows them to see the cyclical nature of birth, death, and rebirth. And so Ovates, actually, they have access to people's past lives. They're seers. They can do oh, things with time. Yeah, so yeah. they that's very much a thing. And it is uh, very much believed because they believe in the oneness of everything that right. you are all like you will come back. And that's why it's important to not only take care of each other, but take care of the earth because you're going to come back and you want to be able to live in harmony with what you're coming back to. Oh, I Interesting. love that. I love that. That's so cool. You want to know what I just realized too? Is you said Ovate and earlier I said Ovid. Can you tell who's a fucking Hellenic? <laughs> 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 like, oh yeah, if you want to be an Ovid. Oh my God. I just realized that. I'm like, oh, it's Ovate. Oh my God. You know what? I'm learning. I'm on an education role here. So, I mean, everything you're telling us is absolutely fascinating. It's to so me. fascinating. And if you do want a reliable author for Druidry, um, yes. I very much recommend jo Joanna Vanderhoven. Um, she has 
really good collections of work. She has multiple books on Druidry. And while it is a more revivalist lens of looking at Druidry, she does honor the old ways and she does honor the information that's available and she puts it in a very digestible way that is doable for people to learn. Um, it's not one of those books that's very dense to read. They're, they're, I mean, they're thick books, but they're very easy to read and full of wonderful information. Perfect. And if if people had questions about Druidry, are you comfortable with people emailing you or contacting you about uh, that to get more information? 100%. I absolutely love talking about Druidry and teaching. So if anyone Yay. ever has questions, like you can comment on any of my TikToks, you can email me, do whatever you feel is necessary short of showing up to my house and ask me <laughs> questions. Don't show up at her doorstep, please. <laughs> Thank um, you very yeah, much. So so with that, we will have her information in the description below, but if someone were to reach out to you and, and doesn't want to take the time to go to the description, where can they find you on social media? And um, can you tell us a little bit about how they can get in contact with you? Absolutely. So I am on TikTok and my handle is the mystics lounge. That's mystics with an S. And then my website is themysticslounge.com. You're more than welcome to book a session. If you have a question about Druidry, you can scroll to the bottom of the page, the homepage or any of them and click contact me and it will send me an email um, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Yay. Hell and, yeah. Yes. And um, Alyssa, did you have any last questions before we wrap this up? Um, my last question is, uh, why are you so amazing? And why, I why I, are you not yes. here for me to put in my pocket? And I want yes. a little pocket druid and I want it to be you. And that's your cat. <laughs> and I just it so, that was so perfect. I love you guys so much. Thank you. You're making me blush over here. <laughs> You're amazing. Honestly, we 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 both, Ariel and I, highly recommend Becca for her services. And she's yes. got amazing yes. knowledge in... Uh, obviously druidry and Norse paganism and other uh, facets of Celtic paganism as well and witchcraft in addition to that. But, but also too, one of the things that we really enjoy about Becca is her ethics. She has strong ethics yes. like we do when it Thank comes you. to spirituality and, and whatnot. So highly recommend giving her a follow and giving her, uh, giving her TikTok a look, see, and um, listen, like other than going and following her and being a big fan of hers, I also would like you guys to do me a solid, do me a solid here, would you? Okay, listen, I want you to rate and share the Ghost Tea podcast. Why? Because we're amazing and we love you and you guys are ghosties and we yes. appreciate the love and the help. And it helps with getting uh, getting our name out there so we can help, you know, help, uh, help you. So help us help you. It helps us with being able to create more episodes and... And just to, by the way, just as a small little aside, we do know that there is many people who have been interested in Ghost Tea Podcast merch. And yes. uh, by it sharing the work, <laughs> yes, by sharing and, and whatnot, that does make that goal much easier to attain. Yes. So we appreciate yes. the listening. We appreciate the love, the likes, the shares, all of it matters to us and means so much. So thank you for for that. But thank you to Becca for coming on for this amazing episode. I learned so much about Druidry. Um, it's just really interesting stuff. So, so thank you again for coming. Yeah. Thank yes. you guys so much for having me on. I had so much fun and you guys are both wonderful. I appreciate you both so much. Oh, we love you. And we're Hugs. so thankful to have you here. Thank Virtual you. high five. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone interested in booking sessions with Becca or Alyssa or I, or to just learn more about us and our practices, check out our websites. We'll have them linked below and you will be able to find them linked there, but you can also find them on ghostteapodcast.com. So go check it out. We will also now offer paranormal consultations. So check out those on ghostypodcast.com. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. So with that said, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please let us know, comment on our videos. Let us know that you have enjoyed this this podcast episode. Contact us through the discord and let us know on the ghost tea podcast channel that you have listened to it and that you enjoy it. Um, if you have any suggestions for different episodes, you would like to hear from us, let us know. Cause we are also always open to suggestions, but also stay safe and stay curious and keep learning. Mm-hmm. All of that. Thanks guys. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>